On today's Locked On Jayhawks, we preview the Kansas-Houston game coming up on Saturday. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on KLWN in Lawrence. We can also hear the KU football game tomorrow against Houston at 3 o'clock Central Time with pregame starting at 1.30. Thanks for making Locked On Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. On today's edition of Locked On Jayhawks, we're going to preview the KU-Houston game. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We'll have our Bet Online segment of the week coming up at the uh, end of the show, looking at the KU Houston line and maybe some other numbers or futures uh, across the Big 12 to take note of. Let's toss aside the X's and O's for just a second here. Outside of Houston does this well, Kansas does that well. There is a part of this game that is interesting outside of that from the standpoint of will Kansas have a letdown game? You have a huge win. You're on the road. Overtime victory. Are you going to be able to get up as much for this week as you were last week? On the road again this week and everything. You have another long week of travel. Versus for Houston, kind of a come-up game. You just lose in double overtime after allowing a fourth down and 20 to Texas Tech. Are you going to have a bounce-back game because you're you know chomping at the bit kind of to get back to it after losing a game like that? The outside of the X's and O's thing becomes interesting in this game, but we'll see. KU was able to bounce back pretty well. Like If you want to talk about having a letdown week, nothing would have made more sense than last year when Kansas beat Texas in that overtime game in Austin to have a letdown the next week. But what did they do? They almost beat TCU. They only lost by field goal at the end of the game. The Horn Frogs, maybe that's a good sign that they're going to be able to avoid a, a letdown here. And I do think that because it's so early in the season and because they still haven't like accomplished, you know, you're only 2-0. It's only your second win of the season. It's not like that win got you to bowl eligibility or it's not like that win moved you up to number whatever in, into the rankings in general or something like that. It's It's easier to, I think, let that breed success than it would be for that to lead to a letdown game. But again, you never really know. I do think Kansas will be able to overcome that and, and look good once again this week. But I definitely think the Houston part of it where this is a game that definitely has their attention because of what Kansas did to West Virginia and because of what just happened to them against Texas Tech will uh, have them being a very, very motivated team coming into this game. So let's take a look at Houston. Offensively, Clayton Toon leads the charge at quarterback. Mentioned he was previously committed to KU before eventually going to Houston. Takes over as a starter early in his career due to D.R. King being injured, transferring away, whatever it was. And he uh, had a really good season last year. 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Nathaniel Dell is a stud at receiver. It's a lot different than what West Virginia provided, where they have some of these big receivers who are going to kind of body you and make possession catches, make jump ball catches, and be difficult from the physicality side of it. And these guys are a little bit more really fast players, can get a lot of yards after catch in the open field, can make you miss on receiver screen plays, and can just burn you on specific routes with their speed and quickness. And Nathaniel Dell is no different. This dude was a beast last season. He comes back this year. He's got like 170 yards through two games, so averaging about 85 per game. He's been really good so far. 
and that's a big threat. Overall, the Houston passing offense has been the better part of the offense. The running game has struggled a little bit so far. They're averaging just over three yards per carry. Again, in college, the sack numbers get counted into that. Even if you take the sack numbers out, they're still not a efficient running team so far this season. So a lot of it is going to be on the passing game, and that's interesting because Kansas just struggled in pass defense against West Virginia last week. But that is kind of what Houston has done so far. And keep in mind, like this Houston team has played a, a tough schedule so far in the season, right? You play Texas Tech, Power 5 opponent, who you would imagine is going to contend for a bowl game. I mean, it's not you know the toughest schedule in the world, but certainly. Uh, UTSA, who was a double-digit win team a season ago and looks to be pretty good and could win the Conference USA this year. And both games went to double OT. So you've had a tough schedule. You've been exhausted a little bit here. But also, based on some of the, the numbers you've put up, you know maybe if you did play an FCS opponent, some of these numbers would look a lot better, more similar to what Kansas was able to do because of the Tennessee Tech game. Now, obviously, offensively, KU put up huge numbers even in the West Virginia game, but defensively, not as much the case. The Houston offensive line is kind of an interesting test study because um, they brought back just two starters from last year's team. And so far, like if you look at pro football focus, they don't grade out super well. They're 71st in the country in pass blocking grade. They're 88th in the country in run blocking grade so far. And just to, to flip it and give you an idea what Kansas has done for what it's worth, Kansas is 9th in pass blocking grade. They're 31st in run blocking grade so far this season, which just speaks to the job that Scott Fuchs has done, the offensive line coach for KU and even the tight ends being a part of it, the running backs getting in the blocking game, having a, a good agile quarterback that allows you to evade pressure at times. The KU offensive line has done a really good job so far. Houston's has struggled. That's what you'd kind of imagine when you're averaging just over three yards per carry. But at the same point in time, I think a lot of that just boils down to the UTSA game. In the UTSA game, Houston gave up nine tackles for loss. They were sacked four times. They got a lot better in the Texas Tech game. Texas Tech, they had just four tackles for loss and two sacks. So the numbers went down. Now, the two sacks, you still don't... like. I, the most ideal number is you're giving up zero or one sacks every week. Two sacks is like, okay, you can live with it. Once you get to three or more, like that's not a good thing for your offensive line. But they clearly played better last week than they did in week one. So was week one just a feeling out process when you have just two returning starters and it was going to take a little bit of time to mesh together and they're starting to have that meshing together and it started last week against Texas Tech and that they could be okay against Kansas? Or are they going to struggle and allow for Kansas to create some pressure, which we didn't really see much last week against West Virginia? What about the defensive side of the ball? Houston is awesome on that front four they have eight sacks already this season so four per game and four of those came from Derek Parrish just last week in the game against Texas Tech they uh, I guess have a nickname for the defensive line it's called Sack Avenue which it doesn't I, I don't know maybe I'm missing something here maybe there's like a you know an Ack Avenue like where Houston's campus is located so they just decided to I don't know that doesn't seem like a very fun creative name like what if we called the KU offense it's the scores a lot of points offense. Like, okay. But they had a ton of pressure and sacks and chaos created last year as well. You bring back Derek Parrish. You bring back a couple other players on that defensive line that are going to really be in competition to be all-conference picks on that D-line because the D-line had 34.5 sacks last season just from the D-line. If you add up the whole team, it was 45 a season ago. So this is a team that created all sorts of pressure. 
and it stemmed from that defensive line. Texas Tech felt the full brunt of it. Houston had 13 tackles for loss. Houston had five sacks in the game against Texas Tech. I mean, that is that is just blowing up the game. And in week one against UTSA, they weren't quite that dominant, but they were still solid. Six tackles for loss, they had three sacks against UTSA. So KU's offensive line, which has played really well so far, hasn't given up a sack so far this season. You got your work cut out for you this week against Houston. Uh, linebacking court and secondary are strong, too, for Houston, but it's just... It, the front four is like the strength strength of the team. The rest of the team is, is still solid. Um, and that's part of the question, too. Like, we knew West Virginia had a good front four, led by Dante Stills. Is the Houston defensive line even better than West Virginia's defensive line? It might not be. I do think it is, but maybe if you showed out well against West Virginia, that's a good sign that you're going to show out well as well against Houston. Houston also has four interceptions, so they've been really good in the back end. Their coverage grades, they rank really well on pro football focus, as they do for their pass rush grade. And, like, overall, the result here, this is a top 25 defense in the country. They were last year. They brought a ton back. They are again this year. And they haven't actually, like, if you're looking at pro football focus, which, again, take those numbers with a grain of salt, haven't graded out great against the run or as a tackling unit, which does leave some possibility for Kansas when you are a, a team that has the ability to bring out all these running backs, and we saw the triple option usage and a scrambling quarterback last week. But even then, Houston is still only giving up like three yards a carry as a whole. That counts in with the sack yardage numbers. Even if you take the sack yardage numbers out, like they're still giving up like four yards a carry, which it's not, you know, elite, but it's fine. So it's not like teams are just gashing them on the ground. Defensively, this is a really good Houston defense, and that'll be the matchup of the game. The Kansas offense, which has shown to be really good through the first two weeks, versus the Houston defense, which has certainly been awesome. And then you have Houston's offense has kind of a strength with their passing game against the KU defense that had some issues defending the pass against West Virginia last week. In just a moment, we're going to take a look at some of the matchups the KU needs to go their way in this game, whether it's individuals or team-based things. We also have our Bet Online segment in just a moment. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. Find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sporting and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. You can get in on the KU action against Houston, depending when you get the line. You know, kind of opened around the nine, nine and a half point range. It's at times teetered around the 10, 10 and a half point range. Find it when you get the best number you can at Bet Online where the game starts. We've gone through what Houston does well, kind of the MO of the team. What are some matchups the KU needs to win? So obviously, Jalen Daniels and Clayton Toon are not actually going up against each other, but that's a, a matchup that I think you actually feel good where you are for KU. I think last week heading into the, the matchup of Jay Daniels with JT Daniels versus Jalen Daniels, it was like, okay, I think Jalen Daniels can go toe-to-toe with him. Maybe he's better. Maybe he's slightly worse. But I think that's the case. Coming into this week, it almost feels like I know that's the case. I think Jalen Daniels is for sure the better quarterback here. Clayton Toon's good. Like, don't get me wrong. 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions last year, over 8 yards per attempt. He can sling it around. He's got good athleticism. He actually is a pretty good scrambler, which... 
Didn't show itself as much in the Texas Tech game, but he had some huge runs in the UTSA game that either kept drives alive, converting third downs, scoring on two-point conversions or touchdowns, whatever it was, that you definitely have to be aware of it. It's not his first instinct. It's not something that he's, you know, he's not Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean at scrambling, but he has a lot more wheels to him on the ground than a guy like JT Daniels. So that'll be interesting how KU handles that a little bit. But overall, I, I think Jalen Daniels is the better quarterback here. Third in the country in total QBR. He's been amazing so far at doing everything you need. I mean, what he did last week, converting just third down after third down, has to give you a lot of confidence coming into this game. It's a different animal, though, facing the Houston defense, and that's the thing. Clayton Toon could end up with better numbers this game because we saw KU's past defense struggle. We know Houston has a great defense, but I'm riding with Jalen Daniels over Clayton Toon in this matchup, and it has to be something where that has to show itself in this specific game. I mean, for instance, like, Kirk Cousins just beat Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. Does that mean Kirk Cousins is better than Aaron Rodgers, even though he put up better stats in the game? No. There are other surrounding circumstances there, and over the long haul, you take Aaron Rodgers. But in that specific game, maybe you could say Kirk Cousins outplayed him, although there are obviously, again, other circumstances with receivers and whatnot. But that's my point here. You can't walk away from this game saying, yeah, I think Jalen's a better quarterback, but Clayton Toon just had the much better game. You can't have that if you're Kansas, and I don't think you will. Now, KU has to run the ball in this game. And so to that notion, obviously, yes, part of it was with the running backs, but I think what we're learning is KU has such good running backs that you just expect that performance each and every week right now. How will the KU offensive line hold up versus the Houston defensive line? We talked about this last week. West Virginia had a veteran, really talented defensive line. Dante Stills is a stud at the interior of that West Virginia defensive line. KU's offensive line held them to under a handful of tackles for loss in the game. They didn't allow any sacks, and they haven't allowed any sacks so far this season, to which Andy Kotelnicki, the offensive coordinator, media availability earlier this week, uh, knocked on wood at the uh, dais up there at the press conference, which you can understand why, uh, especially taking on Houston, who has eight sacks already on the season. But specifically with the running game, Houston creates chaos there as well. 13 tackles for loss against Texas Tech. It's something that KU's been able to avoid, those big negative plays. And maybe the the kind of read option game, the triple option stuff that Kansas does, maybe that helps you overcome some of those possible aggressive issues from the defensive line for Houston in this game because to a certain extent, like some of the defensive ends maybe have to be a little more patient or wait back or make sure that they're going for the right guy or the right read in that regard, right? Like that can help slow down a defensive line. At least that's kind of the hope there for KU. But the offensive line has to play well. The tight ends have to play well. And so far they have. It's another animal, though, against Houston, which is like a top 25 defensive line in the entire country. West Virginia has a good front as well, but I think Houston's is even better. So can KU continue to run the ball? They had over 200 rushing yards against uh, West Virginia last week. How much is it going to be triple option? How much is it going to be power run? How much is it going to be wide zone? I don't know, but that's kind of the beauty of this KU offense. How does KU bounce back in pass defense? That's something we keep bringing up here. Obviously, with Clayton Toon and Nathaniel Dell in that offense for Houston, and we know Dana Holgerson from his time, whether it was as the OC at Oklahoma State or going to West Virginia or now at Houston, he wants to chuck it around the field. They're going to have a bunch of fast receivers. They're going to have a bunch of receivers who can make you pay in the open field. So this is a couple things for the pass defense. One, tackling. Tackling was an issue for the secondary a season ago for KU. And in the West Virginia game, it was a bit of an issue 
for some guys. Like you think of the the Kenny Logan missed tackle or missed angle. You think of some of the other plays where receivers were able to get out in the open field and get some good yak on the play. That's going to be even tougher against the personnel that Houston comes out. So it's not just can you try to prevent the catch from being made, but what are you going to do after the catch is made to avoid those huge plays that you weren't really able to avoid against West Virginia? But it's not just the coverage, too. It's KU needs a pass rush. Didn't have any sacks in the game against West Virginia. Didn't create a ton of chaos. I I think with what we've seen from the run defense so far through the first two weeks and the fact that Houston has struggled to run the ball, it would be a little alarming if KU did start to revert to last year and struggle in run defense. But you might also be able to chalk it up to, because of both those things, maybe KU is like, hey, we're going to play some more pass-heavy defenses here and we're going to see if they're committed to running the ball the entire game. I guess we'll wait and see on that. But it's not something that I'm expecting to be a huge issue for KU, the run defense. So it is mostly on the pass defense in this game. And can you create pressure on Clayton Toon and make his life very difficult? Now, if I'm picking players to watch in this game, I think when you look at the Houston defensive line specifically, and whether it's Derek Parrish or whoever, the biggest threat of the pass rush, it really is everyone, but to me is the edge guys. So, Earl Bostic, Bryce Cable do. Those are two guys I'm circling. Whichever end you want to talk about, they have to have good games in pass blocking specifically for Jalen Daniels to be successful. Obviously, Jalen would be a player to watch because he always is. He's the quarterback that's so important each and every week. Lonnie Phelps, to that notion about KU needing a pass rush, he was not really as much of a force as he was in week one, which, okay, you get it. West Virginia is a more veteran offensive line, and they struggled a bit against Pitt, but they were a lot better in Week 2 against Kansas, and things were more difficult. You also saw a lot of times where Lonnie Phelps was getting chipped or getting some help from a tight end or running back or something like that, that clearly West Virginia made it a point to not let him wreck the game like he did against Tennessee Tech. But you know what Houston's going to do? They're going to see that and go, hey, we better do the same thing because the other guys, while they were able to step up against Tennessee Tech, they weren't able to step up as much against West Virginia. And that'll be the key for KU. Can Lonnie Phelps overcome that extra help? Because then it's a real problem for Houston. And can the others as well? So I guess you could just really circle the entire defensive line. And then just to, I guess, I don't know, be a little blank again, like the entire secondary matters here. If I want to single someone out, like I could easily single out whoever... Uh, KU's corner is that's going to be guarding Nathaniel Dell, or I don't know if they're going to have one guy stick to him or if it'll just be whichever side of the field he lines up, which I think will actually be what happens, which makes me think that uh, I shouldn't just single out one corner, which is why I'm going to single out Kenny Logan. Kenny Logan, you need a big game from him, whether it's in kick return, whether it's coming up with a big forced fumble or interception at the back end, whether it's helping that back end, that secondary come together for KU after the week that was last week and then helping lead against a good team passing the football in Houston. Those are the players to watch in this one. In just a moment, we're going to get into our bet online segment, take a look at the line and the over-under for the KU-Houston game, as well as some Big 12 numbers. Over at bet online, you could have got the Kansas-Houston game opening up at minus 9 points, depending where you've looked or when it's been a number you've looked at. The the number might have bounced around to 10 or something like that. It's currently sitting at 8.5. For Kansas right now, which implies that a bet online like KU is getting some of the action here. Um, I, I've seen some models like the ESPN SP Plus has Houston winning by like 14 or 15. So that's like a clear take Houston in this one. 
but it it definitely could be one of those things where you know some of the models and statistics aren't quite as high on Kansas as they should be yet because of all the past years like that plays into a lot of those statistical models the recent success or lack of success in KU's case in past seasons so that's definitely something uh, that I'm kind of interested by in this one now if you're wanting to touch the over under on this one over at Bet Online it is sitting at 57 points so last week obviously crushed the over and even if it didn't go to overtime even if West Virginia didn't score uh, the final touchdown and it ends 42-34 you still would have gone past the over pretty easily there but this number's a little bit tougher to get to because of how good that Houston defense is I think I would still lean over because I could see this being a game where Houston puts up somewhere between 31 and 38 points and then if they're getting 38 points for instance can Kansas get 20 even if it is a better defense than West Virginia can if Houston gets 35 can Kansas get 23 I I think that's the bet I like the most the the eight and a half is a little bit of a stay away for me um this line was around 16 17 when it opened up to start the season obviously things have changed Kansas is clearly better than prognosticators thought and um before the season started and with Houston maybe some people thought they'd be 2-0 coming into this game they were obviously ranked to start the year now they're no longer ranked so I am not going to be touching the line on this one it's not a number that I feel really comfortable in either way but I do feel comfortable taking the over in this game because of Jalen Daniels how good he has looked and yes KU's offense will have a tougher time against Houston's defense than they will in the first two games but I still think they can put up somewhere between 24 and 30 plus points in this game and if that happens I expect Houston to kind of do the rest and be able to score enough that definitely makes that a thing last bet I wanted to mention from bet online they have uh, updated conference odds to win the league Oklahoma's sitting as the favorite two to one Texas at a, just under three to one to win the big 12 then you have Oklahoma State plus 575 now's the time to get in on Baylor they're sitting seven to one after they lost to BYU but that's a good BYU team and it doesn't count against them in the conference standings so this would be a good time to hop on them Kansas State's eight to one TCU's 10 to one Iowa State's at 18 to one I still think there's some value there uh, Texas Tech's 25 to one I don't get this West Virginia's 75 to one Kansas is 125 to one make that make sense right but like every time I've ever seen Kansas on one of these odd sheets it's like 250 to one or higher. So this is like the lowest I've seen them to possibly win the Big 12 in a long, long time. If they win this week, I mean, those odds, what are they, like 50-1, to something like that, maybe even higher? It's crazy how much they would condense in uh, such a quick amount of time. So you can check out all those lines and and put some stuff on it if you want to yourself at BetOnline. Coming up on Monday's show, we'll recap whatever happens with the KU-Houston game. If you have anything you'd like for the show to talk about or want to follow along in the action, you can reach out at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you're getting all the latest with Locked on Jayhawks. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see some of you on RCST later today. Adios.